Happy Mother's Day. I'm grateful for, for moms. Andy, it's so awesome that you're here. Uh, we prayed for you. Andy's been battling COVID uh, pretty hard, and man, it is a joy seeing you in church today. Uh, we prayed for you. Let's give him a hand. Thank you. You know, um, I, I'm grateful for the moms in my life. Moms do a lot for us, don't they? They, they taught, taught us how to brush our teeth. Right? My mom was a dental hygienist. That woman taught me how to brush my teeth, let me tell you. Uh, they, they teach you how to chew with your mouth closed. Uh, that was, that's important. They, they teach you to get rid of some of these bad habits, uh, like not picking your nose in public. Right? Shaquille O'Neal, did you see him this week? Shaquille O'Neal picked his nose on television this week. His mom, come on, Shaq, you know better than that. Mom's, mom's, his mom taught him better than that. But, but you think about what moms do. I, I've, I'm grateful for for my mother, for my wife. I've watched them model how to walk with the Lord. I've, my, um, my mom, I always watched her having her quiet time. I look at my, my wife every morning. My kids have seen her in, her word, in the Word of God. Um, you know, they, they taught us how to live. They taught us how to engage, how to act right, how to engage the world, right? Moms teach us that. My, uh, my, I look at my mom. She taught me how to pray. I watch my mom pray. I've, I've heard my wife pray for, for our kids. My, my kids have heard them pray, her pray for them. Moms teach us a lot. And, and I want us to stop and, and just thank the Lord for our moms today. Would you do that? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we, we bow before you. And we just want to stop and thank you for the mothers in our lives. Father, there's some today that are hurting because their mom has passed. They're, they're, she's, they, she may be with you right now. So those that can't go see their mom, I pray that you would just flood their minds with memories of, of great moments. Father, for those that, that want to be a mom, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would strengthen them. And Lord, I know there are many that are praying that you open their womb. So Father, we pray for those that want to be moms, that they would trust you and look to you. Lord, I thank you for giving me a mom and for giving me a wife that has taught us how to pray and taught us how to live. And I pray that you would speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, we've been in the study of Colossians, and, and this morning we're going to continue in that. And when you look at Jesus, when you look at his life, there, there's a lot of things to notice about Jesus, but there's two things that, that you really see from his life that stand out. That, um, one, Jesus taught us how to pray. And in all, all through the scripture, you see his disciples going, man, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to engage the Lord, engage God like that. And, and Jesus also taught us how to engage the world, to, to live in the world. Engage with the Lord, engage with the world. Kind of like what our moms taught us. And, and this morning, we're going we're gonna to continue to look back at Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles turn there. But as you, as you turn there, before we jump into the text today, the, the last several 
um, months, I've, I've read a couple of books that have been really interesting, and I, and I think they apply to just kind of what we're, what God has for us today. I, I, and, and if you want some mental sweat, some theological sweat, I want to push you to these. Uh, the first book is called Christ and Culture by a guy named Richard Niebuhr. Um, you can spell his name. It's German. He was uh, in the, about the 1940s. He wrote this foundational work called Christ and Culture. And then a few years ago, a guy named D.A. Carson followed that book up with Christ and Culture Revisited. Uh, D.A. Carson is just a, a, an incredible theological giant of our day, an incredible uh, scholar and leader. And, and uh, and it's interesting as you look at, at Richard Niebuhr's book because he, he wrote this foundational work as he, as he talked about Christians engaging the culture. And he says, you know, uh, there are times that, as a, as, that Christ moves us to be against culture, that, that we're, to, we're to oppose culture. There are times that, that Christians, they become of culture. They start looking like the culture. They're, but there are also times that, that as a Christian, it's above culture. Christ is creating a, a, a different culture. Or sometimes as Christians, we, uh, we realize that Christ is leading us to transform our culture. But he points out the idea that it's really challenging to be a Christian in the world. Because being a Christian and sometimes our culture, those are sometimes a paradox. Those are sometimes hard to navigate. And and it's interesting as you look at, as you think about history, you think about uh, you don't have to be a, a, a just a, a great student of history to to look back at Christians and and there are times that that Christians have been in the world and they've been persecuted, but but there have been also times that Christians have been in the world and they've had power, they've been powerful. There are times that Christians have been isolated in the world and and then there are times that they were dominating the culture. There are times that Christians have been largely uh, uneducated and ignorant people, and, and that's been a criticism at different times in the world. Then there have been times that Christians have been some of the most educated people known to, 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 to culture and humanity. There have been, there have been times that, that, that Christians have been totally different from the culture. And then there have been times in history that Christians have really kind of mirrored what the culture looks like. There have been times when Christians have been so evangelistically passionate that, that you just could see. And then there were times that Christians in the world have been kind of sleepy and dormant. There, there, there are times when, like if you, if you studied history in the reformers, yeah, in the 1600s, there were a lot of reformers. And, and Christians at, at different times in history said, look, we've got to reform society. You look at um, uh, uh, William Wilberforce and with the uh, transatlantic slave trade. That was a time in the like, 1770s when he's like, we've got to reform culture. And it was his faith that, that moved him to say, we're going to change the world. And and then there are times that Christians have just kind of followed the status quo. It's just interesting. You think about history. There, there, there are times when, when Christians, by and large, they've been hungry for heaven. They've been like, I cannot wait. Lord, come quickly. When you hear the Bible speak of, come quickly, Lord. There are times that, that Christians have been like, man, I want Jesus to come today. And then there have been times that we've been so comfortable with the world. We're like, hey, not yet, Lord. Not yet. I think I want to hang out here for a while. So it's interesting. 
as you pay attention to Christ and culture. Now, we, in the book of Colossians, uh, if you've been with us, you, uh, if you haven't been with us, I want you to, to get and understand the main theme of the book because you can't study Colossians without recognizing the main lesson of the book, of this letter that was written by Paul. The main point of the letter, Paul is writing, pointing out that Jesus is not just prominent. But Christ is preeminent. Christ is Lord of all. And that's one of the main lessons that you see. And, and as you look at this, the, the letter as a whole of Colossians, you, you recognize that to miss Christ, you miss God altogether. And, and, and what's interesting about the, the culture of Rome when this letter was written, it, it kind of is similar to where we live today. It was a pluralistic world, meaning that, that there were a, a lot of beliefs about how you get to God. And, and there was a lot of pressure. Hey, let's, let's just embrace all ideas. That's kind of like the world we live in. The, our country embraces that idea. Look, let's all coexist, get along. But the reality is when you look at the Bible, the Bible speaks over and over again that Christ is not just prominent among other religions. Jesus is the only path to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. And the Bible's very clear on this. And so uh, this, this morning, as we, as we continue to flesh out how do we experience the preeminence of Christ today, we're going to turn our face to how do we engage this world and, and I think it's a perfect day. Mother's Day is a perfect day because my mom always taught me how to pray. I watched her pray. She also taught me, here's how you live, Chris. Colossians 4, stand with me. We're going to look at verses 2 through 6 today. And, and we're kind of coming in for a landing. Next week will be our last Sunday in Colossians. And then we're going to uh, turn our face to, to a, an important doctrinal study. But, but for now, let's turn our face to Colossians chapter 4, looking at verses 2 through 6. Paul writes this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that, no, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, now let's, let's look at this passage. Keep your Bibles open here. Because verse 2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Notice that. Now, the first thing we see in this passage is that, that we're to engage the Lord constantly. This is a call that you and I have. Now, prayer is what he's talking about here. As, as we continue steadfastly in prayer. So Paul is making an assumption they're already praying. He's like, look, continue in this. Now, now we, prayer is this experience that I think we often miss. And what I want us to do is not miss this. I don't want to miss the, the, the power of prayer, the blessing of prayer. And, and we know what prayer is. Prayer is communication, right, with you and God, with me and God. That's what prayer is. Now, we understand that it involves you listening. It involves you speaking. Now, but we know from looking in the mirror, God gave us uh, two ears and one mouth. 
So, so we should probably listen more than we talk, but sometimes we just talk to God and don't stop and listen. And look at verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Prayer is, is powerful. And this is something we, gotta, we, we miss sometimes. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is meaningful. Like when you, when you pray to the Lord, that's, that's not this, this, uh, this tape that just plays in your head. Now, we've got to understand our times a little bit. Some of you, uh, do you all know what a tape is? You know what a tape is? Okay, so I, sometimes I, I, don't, I miss that because, you know, people are like, what's a tape? We don't have tapes anymore. Uh, eight tracks were awesome. Who, who remembers eight tracks? I remember eight tracks, man. By God, those were awesome. Um, but, 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 you know, prayer, sometimes we make prayer just this, this rehearsed thing that comes out of our mouth that, that we, don't even, we don't even think about. And, and, and right here it says, prayer, we forget this, prayer is meaningful. It's personal. But, but it's interesting. It's something we often neglect. We neglect it. And, and prayer, what should it be? It should be faithful. That's one thing that prayer should be in our lives. Our praying needs to be faithful. Continuing in prayer, it says. It, it describes this devotion to prayer, this passion to, to, to never quit praying. And, and when, you, when you think about turning to the Lord and, and these stories in Acts, I mean, Acts is so cool, of, of watching the Lord move among the church, that early church. And, and it makes sense because what were they doing? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul says, pray without ceasing. So, so they were praying constantly, and, and it's interesting as you, as you look at the stories that come out of Acts, and it, it makes sense because they, they were praying constantly. Now, now praying constantly, let's, let's think about that for a second. It's, it doesn't mean that you're just muttering all day long. Praying without ceasing is not just you're just kind of always muttering, but it's this, I'm talking about this acknowledgement of God's presence, this continuous acknowledgement. And this is something I pray we experience, this, this reality that God sees you everywhere you go. To acknowledge his presence is, is completely normal. And I want you to see that you don't, you don't bug the Lord by coming to him. We don't bug him by, by saying, Lord, I want to bring this to you. I, I want to I turn to you. Prayer, this pray without ceasing is just this turning to the Lord. You know, one of the things that I've been doing in my, just my devotional life is I, I go through the one-year Bible. And, and the other day, I was, it was just interesting. I was in Joshua chapter 9. And I don't know if you've ever read that passage. In Joshua 9, it was the, the Gibeonite deception. And, and this was this moment that the Gibeonites had come to Joshua, and they were saying, hey, look, we're, we're really a long ways away from you. Make a treaty with us. And so, so Joshua was deceived by the Gibeonites. And, and the Bible says in Joshua chapter 9 that if Joshua would have, he didn't turn to the Lord. It, God would have led him. God would have guided him. He wouldn't have been deceived if he would have turned to the Lord. But, and I think sometimes we neglect prayer because we just don't turn to the Lord. I want to challenge you. Paul, right here, is saying, turn to the Lord. Pray without ceasing. Be, be, be faithful in prayer. But notice what else he says. He says, be, be watchful when you pray. When we pray, we should be watchful. And, and that's paying attention. 
it's interesting as you look at the scriptures because all through the scriptures you see different moments where God's people were moved to be watchful in prayer, like Nehemiah. If you've studied the Old Testament, Nehemiah was watchful as he was building the wall. And, and Jesus would often say to, to people, be watchful when you pray. Watch when you pray. And I want to ask you a question. The last time you've prayed, the last time you really got on your knees, have you been watchful in your prayers? You know, Jesus talked about being watchful in Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, 33, he says, be watchful as you see the end times coming. Be watchful as you pray. Uh, there was in Mark 14, 38, that was that big moment that Jesus was, uh, he was about to go to the cross and he was in the garden. Remember what he said to Peter, James, and John? Hey guys, hey, watch and pray with me. That was big. That was a big moment because he was about to be arrested. Jesus knew that. And he said to Peter, James, and John, be watchful. You know, look, we, we sometimes approach the Lord and we're not watchful in it. Paul used it in Ephesians chapter 6, 18, right after he goes through the, the, the spiritual armor in, a, in Ephesians chapter 6. He talks about being watchful as you pray. And, and look, those are big moments. Here's, as I was praying about this, I was wrestling through this passage, I kept coming to this idea that, that if, if we can learn to be watchful in prayer in our everyday moments, these big moments that were in Scripture, these big moments of the disciples right before the cross being watchful in prayer, oh my goodness, they were asleep. They slept. I mean, in that moment as the soldiers were coming and, and, and Jesus was betrayed, oh my goodness, the disciples were asleep. Well, I thought, I've been convicted because I've thought, how many times have I been, been really sleepy in my prayer? Not being watchful. But, but here's the thing is, as we wrestle through this, if we learn to be watchful in the everyday, hey, let me tell you something. When those big moments come, we'll be watchful in the big moments. And man, this is something I pray we do. Um, prayer. It is something that requires spiritual energy for us. We, we, have, we need to have spiritual energy when we pray. Let's not miss this. We should evaluate how we pray. I caught myself this week. I caught myself driving in my car. I'll pray a lot of times when I'm in my car, and I caught myself um, in my car not making any sense as I was praying to the Lord. Have you ever done that? I mean, I, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but, but I've caught myself often as I really listen and evaluate, what am I saying to the Lord? And it reminded me of those moments with my kids. Have you ever had one of those moments when your kids are like, blah, 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 blah. You're like, what? Time out. Stop. Stop. Hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's slow down. Well, I had one of those moments with the Lord this week. I was just like, blah, 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 you know, and, and I needed to stop and think about what I was saying. Evaluate my praying. Be continuous in prayer. Be watchful in prayer. It goes on. Look at verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. You notice prayer that is steadfast, prayer that is watchful. What is that? It's prayer that is purposeful. I want to challenge us to be purposeful in our prayers to think about our prayers, that, that too often our prayers are vague and general. 
and, and they're not specific. Do you, do you know that one of the things that we've been doing on Wednesday nights, it's, it's been, honestly, it's been one of the greatest things we've done in our church, and we've been doing it for, the, for, about a, for a little over a year. On Wednesday nights at 6.30 to 7.30, we're having a prayer time. And do you know what we're doing at this prayer time? We're praying. Yeah, like, like it's a prayer meeting. And, and we're gathering together and we're praying for an hour, 50 minutes, 45, 50 minutes. And you know what we've done? We've been specific in our prayers. And you know, it's been so cool to, to sit back and go, God answered that prayer. We prayed for Andy. We prayed for Andy incessantly because the doctors were saying, oh my goodness, it's It's bad. It's bad. And do you know what? He's sitting here right now. God answered that prayer. And, and so this is what I want us to recognize that. Now, I'm a little wound up today. I, I got, I'm not going to have a heart attack, so don't worry. I, I won't. Um, but, but look, we've got to learn to pray specific. And sometimes our prayers are too general. They're too vague. And, 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 and you've got to see when, when you pray, what happens? It, it doesn't, it's not that God is being moved to our will. When we pray, God is moving us to his will. You know what? We prayed for Melvin to be better. Melvin Spencer, we prayed for his healing. And this week, I stood right here and preached his funeral. But, but let me tell you, God was just as faithful when he, when he called Melvin to heaven as he was when he said to Andy, you got a little more time. Folks, look, God moves us in prayer to his will, not to our will. And here's what I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss the absolute joy and the absolute incredible experience of living in the will of God. You see, God is teaching us to pray. Jesus taught us to pray. And when we pray, that, that generates a response. And what is the response? We see it right there. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Thankfulness is a, is a response you start to notice. You start to recognize, wow, Lord, you have moved and you have, you have guided us and there's so much to be thankful for. Look at verse three. He says, at the same time, Paul says, pray also for us that God may open a door to us, open to us a door for the word of God. Excuse me, let me, let me back up, I'm getting excited. That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now, now I think it's so amazing here. I think it's amazing that, that Paul didn't ask God to help him get out of prison. We know that, that Paul was writing this from a prison cell. And what he doesn't pray for is, hey, God, would you get me out of prison today? That's not what he prayed. And he, he, his circumstances, they weren't his focus. The, the, the gospel advancing, that was his focus. And, and man, that convicted me this week. As I prayed through this passage, uh, and here's the, here's the reality. Here's what's happening today. 
I, I know I'm preaching, and, 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 but, but, but the truth is the, the Holy Spirit has us in the Word. The, the Holy Spirit is moving us. And, and in reality, I, I am more, the, the best position for me is really in the seat listening to the Lord. But I'm just embracing the calling of my life, of, of, of being your pastor. But it's the Spirit of God that's leading us today. And as I think about this, and I felt the conviction of this, Paul didn't pray, God, fix, fix these circumstances. Paul said, God, I want the gospel to advance. I don't care about my circumstances. He was like, I, 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 wanna, I want people to hear you. This, this moves us to, to see Paul's faithfulness to communicate salvation clearly. And do you realize that's our call as a church? We're called to communicate salvation clearly. You see, Paul was in prison because of this mystery. Look at that. He says, it says that God may open a door to declare the mystery of Christ. The, the, the mystery wasn't that he was in chains or in, in, in prison. The mystery was that God saved him, that God saved Paul. And that was this mystery that, that God would, would change his life, that God would then call Paul to, to share the gospel with the Gentiles. And, and it's interesting, as you think about Paul, so much of the conflict in the New Testament was between Jew and Gentiles. And, and Paul was preaching this mystery of salvation, that God came to save the lost. And Paul knew he was lost. He was there when uh, he, he was part of Stephen's death. He was, he, Paul killed the first Christian in history. Paul felt incredible, uh, an incredible awareness of his lostness. And it was a mystery to him that God would save him. And then God would call him to this other big mystery that impacts you and, my, you and I, that the gospel would be open to Gentiles to those that were outside the children of God, that you and I could be grafted in and adopted as sons. This is huge. And Paul was preaching this mystery that, that salvation, the salvation message is Jesus, period. It's Jesus. If you put your faith in Jesus, he'll save you. That is this incredible mystery that I, that I pray we see, that there's a master of this, this entire place, that God, he, he, he created all that we see. And this, this same God recognized the man he created sinned and rebelled against him. And so then God fixed the problem by entering human history, coming as a, as a human being, God with skin on, he he lived this life that was beyond compare. And, and then this perfect life, this sinless life that was lived, Jesus then went to the cross and he was the perfect sacrifice. He died on the cross and then he rose from the dead. And in that act of sacrifice, in that act of that substitutionary death where Jesus took your place, he was a substitute, he died in your place, he then conquered death itself conquered the grave. And now his spirit is moving and he's calling us to believe in him and trust in him. And no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you could be saved. And Paul was like, it's a mystery that Jesus would save me. 
And he so boldly says, I don't care about my circumstances. I don't care that I'm in prison. And so often we look at our circumstances and we think God wants to deliver us from whatever circumstance we're in, whether it's a a bad job or whether it's a cancer diagnosis or whether it's a, a trial in life. And the reality is God's called us to live lives that point people to salvation to advance the gospel. And I, I'm inspired by Paul as he, as he says, I pray that the gospel advances through my life. Verse three, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. You know what I'm praying for our church? I'm praying that our church is a church with an that has an urgency with salvation, that this urgency keeps growing and growing. Oh man, I pray that we have an urgent heart. Do you have an urgency with salvation? I love what Paul says, that that I may declare the mystery of Christ, on which account I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul's like, Lord, I pray that the door opens. I'll tell you, one of the things I'm praying for is that God uses us, that a door opens to the gospel to this city. And look at what God's doing. Look at what God's doing in our church. Look at what God has called us to. Oh my goodness, I'm just, uh, he's planted us here in Owasso and this gives us this this outreach to not only the city of Owasso, but to these rural areas all around us. Then God has has entrusted us. Four years ago, we were able to to move into Tulsa and and right now as as I'm preaching here, Chad Balthrop's preaching in Tulsa, this same passage, that God has opened a door for the message for us. And then do you know what? Oh my goodness, in August, last Sunday, I preached in Tulsa, and it was a huge moment for us as a church because our, our Tulsa campus, they moved their worship time from, from 9.30, uh, from 11 to 9.30. And, and we are preparing the way that in August, we are going to start a 12.30 service in Spanish. God is opening a door for us for the message of the gospel to go forward in this city. And it's my prayer that we continue this urgency, that this growing urgency builds in our heart to share the gospel. That I pray that we have confidence in sharing the gospel. This is something I'm praying for you, that you have confidence in the gospel. Look, we, we're in a changing culture. We're in a changing world, and, I, and you mark it. I guarantee you in our lifetime, we will see a growing antagonism to our preaching of the Bible. You watch. We will see this in our lifetime. I will see a growing push to silence what the Bible teaches. But do you know what? Me and every pastor that I know, if a government or if somebody else says you can't preach the Bible, we will passionately and, and openly embrace the First Peter 4 call. And we will preach the gospel no matter what the consequences. No matter what. Because the Bible gives us this urgency. And, 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 and here's the reason why we must do this. Because, because the gospel will not be stopped. You realize that no matter what cultural environment develops in the United States of America, nothing will stop the mission of the church. 
Do you know that I have, I, I, I rub shoulders with some people with a low view of the gospel. But I'll, I'll tell you about what I have. I have a high view of the gospel. I'm watching over and over again how the gospel continues to change lives. This week, this Tuesday, I'm flying to Richmond, Virginia. And some of you may not know this, but we're a Southern Baptist church. And, and part of our Southern Baptist DNA is we give 6% of our budget to the cooperative program. Now, that's, a, that's where we pool our money with like-minded churches all over the world. And one of the entities that we fund is called the IMB. And right now, I get to serve as a trustee for the IMB. And on Tuesday, I fly to Richmond for two days. And I'm going to be hanging with our missionaries and with, with our mission-sending agency. And do you know that right now, around the world, we have 3,600 missionaries that are fully funded, that are, that are sharing the gospel all over the world. They don't have to raise their support. They are equipped, they are funded, and they are deployed. And this week, this last week, we had one of our missionaries come with us, come, come meet with us at our prayer time. And he is at a, he's serving in a Muslim country, and I can't even tell you where it is because it would be, uh, it would compromise his ministry. And he is serving, and, and man, he is watching God further the gospel in crazy ways. One of our missionaries to a, to a Muslim country, uh, not too long ago, they, the last meeting I was at, they told this story. And, and this, uh, this missionary was, he gets a phone call. And it's from this guy, this Muslim leader. And he said, I, I'm supposed to call you. Because this Muslim leader, three days before, he has this dream. And in this dream, there was a hand, and it shows up on a piece of paper, and it starts a number. And it was like three numbers. And he goes back to sleep the next night, and the same dream happens, except the numbers kept building. And then the third night, he has another dream, and, and he's looking at this paper in his dream, and it's a full number. It's a phone number. So he thought, I'm supposed to call that phone number. He calls the phone number. It's one of our missionaries. And he goes, why am I calling you? I've had this dream three nights and I got your number. Who are you and what, why am I supposed to call you? And he's like, we got to meet. And they met in the city that they were in. And, and, and they sit down and he goes, look, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. And he's in pursuit of you. And it's God, the God of all creation that put this number in your mind. You know what this guy said? I got to think about this a little more. I'd be like, what? Are you kidding me, buddy? You just dreamt about a phone number and it was one of our missionaries. But I love it how the gospel is advancing. And we're praying for that man's salvation. They've begun a relationship and they are continuing to meet. But I'll tell you, this guy is wrestling because it's costly for him to come to Jesus where he lives. But here's the point. Look, the gospel will not be stopped ever. The mission of our church will not be stopped ever. And one of the things I pray you understand and we understand and I understand that we continually remind one another the gospel is powerful. And this is why I pray you do things like our marketplace mission trip. 
you know, that's something I want to push you to keep signing up for. That, that there's still an opportunity for you to sign up for that marketplace mission trip coming up. That, that ministry has been launched right here in Owasso, right out of our church. And it's a nationwide ministry that, that people are turning their face to their marketplace, their, their workplace. And I want to challenge you, sign up for our marketplace mission trip because the gospel is powerful. Let's not forget that. Look at this. Verse 5, he says, Paul says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Now, let's think about that for a second. Wisdom is, is not knowledge. Wisdom is the correct use of knowledge. But walk in wisdom. Apply your knowledge towards outsiders. Outsiders, that's referring to those that don't know Jesus. You see, we got to remember God has called us to this world. Folks, we are called to this place. We are called to this time. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. You know what I'm praying for us as a church? That we engage culture skillfully. We gotta figure this out. We've been planted in 2021 to serve the Lord, coming out of a global pandemic, walking through America, walking America through a changing political and cultural environment. We are seeing our nation move further and further away from, from principles that were that that are Christ-centered. And, and the truth is, we haven't been a Christ-centered nation for a long time. When you think about our nation, Look, we need to recognize that, that we don't live in a Christian nation. We live in a nation that, um, that's self-focused. I love being an American. I love being here. And I love my country. But folks, let's realize that we live in a nation that needs Jesus. Most sociologists would argue that when it comes to faith in America... That, when, that evangelical Christians, those that really hold to the biblical tenets, that, that maybe it's 7% of the United States of America. Paul says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. One of the things that we must do as, as, as citizens of this country and people planted right here is that we are missionaries right where we live. We sometimes think of missionaries as, oh, those are those guys that live, uh, that go to Muslim countries. And, and you know what? If God puts that on your heart, we can help you. You realize that, that I can help you go to the nations. This, this, in our last service, Riley Richmond was here, and, and I have committed to her to help her get to the nations. And, and I'll tell you, she's going to Nicaragua this summer, and that girl is going to be used by the Lord as one of our missionaries is going to... And man, I can't wait to watch it. Look, we can send you to the nations if God puts that on your heart and we'll fund you and equip you. Come talk to me about it. But let's not miss that we're called to be missionaries right here, right now. And Paul says right here, look, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of your time. When I look at us as a church, we've got to make the most of our time. We've got to realize that God's planted us here for a reason. And, and look, we don't have time to get distracted by, by sin and rebellion and, and, and making dumb decisions. We've got to be wise in how we live. We've got to understand our times. 
We've got to understand how the world is changing. And folks, let me tell you something. The world is changing. But he says, let your speech, look at this, let your speech always be gracious. Man, let your speech always be gracious. Let's understand our times for a second. You realize that what we say online is our speech? Sometimes we, as Christians, and one of the things that frustrates me right now is I'm watching some of my pastoral friends say things from a computer screen that they would never say face-to-face. Look, we've got to realize that part of our online rhetoric is our speech. And right there, Paul is saying, let your speech be gracious. Look at that, seasoned with salt. Now, like I said about tapes earlier, Okay, let's, let's do a little generational explanation, okay? Not too long ago, I, I said, as we were moving into 2021, I said to our staff, I want our gospel challenge to be salty. I want us to say, man, let's be salty. And my, our youth minister, Andrew Wade, came and said, dude, you can't do that. I was like, what are you talking about? We're, we're the salt of the earth. We're going to go and be salty. He goes, that's not what salty means anymore. Salty means uh, something different. Have you ever heard of the Urban Dictionary? I was like, I haven't. I have now. Believe me, I check out the Urban Dictionary right now. And, and I have a cool shirt that I only wear to embarrass my daughter that says salty and lit on my shirt. And it's really cool. It makes me feel cool. But, um, but the truth is, where it says seasoned with salt, you younger people, that doesn't mean be offensive. That's not what that means. It means create a life that is intriguing. Be intriguing. Walk with Jesus because when we walk with Jesus, it's intriguing. It's interesting. Look, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Look, we need to make sure. Now hear this, hear this. We need to make sure that we live in such a way that it's easier to share the gospel, not harder. You know, um, I am thankful. That's going to cost me five bucks right here. This is not in my notes, but I, I have to pay my kids five bucks every time I use them as an illustration. Maggie's like, good, I'm making five bucks today, right? We're at the dinner table last night. And, and I just said something I always say, and she goes, Dad, that's just, that just doesn't sound very good when you say that. I'm not going to tell you what I said. But she goes, Dad, you just come across in a way that's not, not very good. And at first I'm like, be quiet. But when I really think about it, I sure don't want to, live a life that makes it harder for me to share the gospel. Look, folks, we're called to live lives that, that are easy to share the gospel. It's like the ambassador baseball team that I started and we started in 2008. We, we recruit these baseball team and, and we're, we're, I'm getting ready to meet with these guys in a couple of, couple of weeks. And, and, and we tell the guys, we said, hey, look, when, when we're playing baseball, and we're going to play well. Uh, we're going to play hard. We're going to play to win. We, we love Jesus, but, but let me tell you something. We're going to pitch inside, and if we hit you, 
sorry, we didn't mean to, but we're pitching inside. If, if the rules allow us to take out a second baseman, we're taking out the second baseman. And we'll help him up and go, I may, I may hurt a little bit. I don't know. We, we're going to win. But I'll tell you, we're going to play in such a way that you don't drop a bomb if you strike out or you don't mouth off to the umpire and you don't, you play the game like it's supposed to be played because at the end of that game, every game, we're going to share the gospel with our opponents. And so look, you know what Paul's saying here? Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. And I'm not saying that at you. Ask my daughter. I'm saying that with you, okay? We've got to watch our mouth. We also, you know what we have to do? We've got to pay attention to the meaning of our name. Now, here's what I mean by that. I'm not saying the meaning of our name, my name is Chris. That means Christian. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the meaning of your name. That when your name is mentioned, what comes to mind? Is it faithful, honest? Paul's saying, look, we got to learn to pray. And some of us are neglecting prayer. And we're not engaging with the Lord. And you know what? You're missing this unbelievable experience of, of interacting with God in his will. And I don't want you to miss the unbelievable joy of living in the will of God. And Paul is telling us, God's word is helping us see, look, learn to pray. God's word is pushing us, look, pay attention to the way you live. Because as you start to pray, what happens, you start to live like you need to. And folks, we live in some crazy days. We are looking at things in our culture that cause us to go, oh, wow. People really believe these things. But God's called us to this day. God's called us to this place. And I want to take us back to the very first Sunday of the year. If you were with us every year, we have a gospel challenge, like I mentioned earlier. And you know our gospel challenge, let me remind you of that, is to build a missionary mindset right here, right now. Look, we're called to be missionaries. And Paul wrote to Epaphras, in the book of Colossians, in the letter to Colossae, and, and Epaphras was a missionary to his hometown. That's our call. So here, look, Joe's going to come because i got to stop preaching today because it's Mother's Day and we got to get, it's time to go. But before we go, let's, let's do this right like our mom taught us. Let's follow through like my mom always taught me. Follow through. And let's respond to the Lord. Look, some of you may be here today and you don't know Jesus living in the will of God. 
you know something's missing in your life. And you may think, man, I, God wouldn't accept me if I came to him. But I want you to know this, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, if you came to Jesus, he would save you. Oh, he'd save you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter the mistakes you made. You may say, Chris, you don't know me. You're right, I don't. You don't know the darkness that I've, I've seen. I, I don't. But I know how powerful salvation is. I know the amazing power that Christ, the gift of Christ, has for you. And if you'll come to him, he'll save you. But really, the message today is to insiders. Because he's like, hey, pay attention to the outsiders. Be, be wise. But this is a message for insiders. Man, it's time to stop coasting. It's time to stop uh, flippantly praying, connecting with the Lord. Life's too short. Let me tell you something. You don't want to go to college, you, you seniors. You don't want to go to college without being in the will of God. You don't want to miss the adventure of being in the will of God. Mom, dad, mom, you don't want to miss the adventure of being a mother in the will of God. Grandmother, you don't want to miss the adventure of being in the will of God. Let's live in the will of God. Let's be wise. Let's get, look. Let's get right with the Lord today. Some of you need to, as Joe's going to lead us in prayer, some of you, you just need to sit there and pray. And go, Lord, I, I got I to gotta be, I got to get right with you today. Some of you have been, some of us, I'm not you, some of us, got to watch our mouths. I've had to watch my mouth this week. Let's get right with the Lord. Father, we bow before you and we prepare to respond to you, Lord. Your word just moves us. It just speaks to us. It just is so relevant to where we are. And Father, there's somebody here today, somebody listening online doesn't know you. God, I pray that in this moment, your Holy Spirit draws them. Father, there's got to be some that are flippantly praying, that are not wise in the way they interact with outsiders. Father, move us to your will. Ah, move us. Move us now. In Jesus' name, amen.